right. So I'm going to, while this is doing this, I'll be making sure I'll be monitoring the comments and, you know, you kind of talk, you know, do you want to have a conversation? You want to leave questions to the end? Probably better to leave to the end. Um, please jump in if you feel like I'm moving too fast or something. Um, Absolutely. And I'll try to get through it and, um, and leave some room there. All right. Well, I, I can see us now. We're streaming live and uh, we got seven people joining the room right now. So we're going to give folks just a couple of minutes to, to find their seats here in the auditorium um, as everyone gets uh, settled in and making sure that uh, you picked up a drink on your bar, at the bar on the way in. Um, hopefully not too many folks in the audience are wearing sunglasses or low hats this morning. Uh, ben Muldrow's already checked in, say good morning. You guys know the rules. Uh, Tell us where you're from. Uh, if you bonus points, if you're drinking this morning, I am uh, giving a nod to everybody in the Central Mountain and uh, West Coast timeframes because I'm having coffee with uh, my favorite creamer uh, with some rum chata. And uh, I, I get to introduce our speaker, uh, Chet Clem. And folks, I don't know if you've ever submitted a blind proposal before to speak at a conference, but if you ever do, um, you should take some notes from Chet because I think Chet submitted probably one of the most original um, proposals and I wish I had it right directly in front of me at the moment, but it was something along the lines of um, he's one of the top three former Onion writers uh, currently working in downtown redevelopment in the middle New Hampshire region, I believe, it was something along those lines. And that was the hook, Chet, that as you said, you know, I don't even care what he's talking about. If that's how he introduces himself. This is a guy that we've got to talk to. And I'm thrilled to have uh, Chet Clem with us from Lime, from Lime Properties. And folks, you know, if you've been a fan of the downtown happy hour since we started a year ago or, or the three-day bender, hell, we call the freaking conference the three-day bender. It is named after drinking. It's a named after having fun. We have never talked about comedy as a way of engagement and a way of talking about things. And when Chet proposed doing this session, we were totally hooked. We were totally on board. Um, and Chet comes to us, you know, as, as certainly as the, the background as a former writer for The Onion, which God help you, I, I don't know, how did you, you have the shakes? How did you get through 2020 uh, being a former Onion writer and go, how, how many times, seriously, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've been scrolling Twitter and go, is this an Onion article? Because I couldn't quite well, tell. The, the, the flip side of that is like, I used to work in fake news when fake news was funny and not like the motto of the downfall of factual society. <laughs> right so like i don't know what you do uh in the past four years other than like crouch under a table uh <laughs> and try to find something something more ridiculous than that orange asshole so so aside from from uh, the the work in, in in comedy and working for the onion chet is a legit developer he comes from the development community um second generation developer uh, Chet, why don't you tell us, give us a little bit of, of your background, and then we'll, why don't we just go ahead and launch in. And folks, we're going to probably take questions at the end, but feel free to fire questions as he's talking about, about stuff, and we'll make sure that we round back and get into it. But I don't want to take up any more of his time because uh, I can't wait to hear from him. So Chet, go ahead. Yeah, I'll give a quick, you know, background, and then I'll hop right into this. But, you know, like any good son, I, I spent 30 years trying really hard not to work with my family. Um, like, I... It was an environmental studies undergrad. My old man was a real estate developer, just like inherent tension. Um, I went and worked for The Onion and did absolutely nothing with the college degree I had just gotten. Um, and, you know, I give him credit because he totally suckered me into this uh, pretty awesome industry and uh, found a way to, to make me realize you can kind of apply that creative brain to tangible, meaningful projects. Um, you know, humor and, and places they have its place in society for sure. But um, I love the idea of doing something that isn't, you know, an online article or a weekly thing or even a book. It's something that stands the test of time. And um, if you can get it built, which is always the challenge, and we'll talk a little bit more about ours, but, um, you know, having something that can, can put a real dent uh, in the earth, that's a, a pretty cool feeling. Very cool. But well, we got folks from that's check that are checking in right now. We've got folks from Kentucky and Pennsylvania and South Dakota and Michigan, and it, it looks like a Miss America pageant coming in the door. Um, 
Awesome. You know, so I, I think we're ready. We got about 55 people in the room right now. We expect that to, to jump up uh, pretty significantly. And not only that, but after the session's over, this, this stuff's going to live on. So why don't you go ahead and, and uh, right. why don't we start your presentation and we'll get rolling. Yeah, let me get the screen up here. And how are we looking? Yep. You can see what I'm. I, I can. Well, I can see your uh, your desktop. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So make sure you yeah, right. make sure when you hit share that you're hitting the right tab. Well, everyone got a nice there we go. silhouette of my wife and kids. It's a lovely picture. Yeah. All right, we're good. All right, we're good to go. Yes, sir. Good afternoon slash morning, everybody. Uh, Chuck Clem, West Lebanon, New Hampshire. Uh, I'm drinking uh, enough coffee to feel even more like vomiting than I always do uh, just prior to a presentation. So, um, and you know, great to be here on Zoom. Nothing satisfies the inherent feedback loop of comedy like speaking into a digital void in my own office and uh, you know, not knowing till the end if I bombed or not. So, um, but great to be here. Uh, normally when you show up to a conference without pants on, it's all, uh, sir, you have to leave this Ramada immediately. Um, so psyched to be here on, on the digital conference. Um, I want to start by saying I watched Phil Ike's presentation yesterday and I'm so mad at him, uh, cause it was so good that I just honestly immediately threw out my presentation and started over. Um, if you didn't watch it, like I honestly am tempted to just stop now, make you go watch that and come back. But um, he, he gave just an unmatched explanation on the emotional underpinnings of effective communication and storytelling. I, I told Joe it ought to just be a prerequisite for every other presentation. Um, so now I'm gonna make fun of it. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I'm gonna try to build off it a little bit and, and talk about how uh, we can use humor as a tool and a framework uh, for making that emotional connection. Um, so can't solve the underwater economics of your downtown, can't get your city planners and elected officials to stop doing dumb things, um, probably can't change the pro forma on that cute building to, to make it a profitable coffee shop. Um, but it really just comes down to, can you use humor to make people give a damn? Uh, and I think that's a really uh, important skill and hopefully I can uh, impart a few tricks that you can use as well. Um, and I'm going to put my email on my cell phone at the end and uh, shoot me a text. I'll write you a joke. Uh, I'll make that deal. So uh, by way of background uh, and topic specific background, this is during my days at The Onion, uh, previous three-day bender uh, at America's Finest News Source. The danger of working there is you end up in the worst photos and photoshops. Um, if anyone ever asks you if you want to be in the onion, the answer is no. Uh, they will use you in the worst way possible. Um, nowadays, um, you know, despite having the beard and body type of your standard craft beer brewer, I do not own and operate a microbrewery. Uh, I'm trying to get a downtown to stop sucking a little bit more. Uh, and I'm just someone who wishes that our average little downtown got the same creative energy as the average microbrew label uh, and try to fix that just to now. Uh, as Joe said, like when I found out about this and, and pitched it, I think I said something along the lines of, um, you know, one of the top five onion uh, writers working on downtown redevelopment efforts in central New Hampshire. Now, Joe says I'm probably top three, but I, I think it's important to stay humble. Um, and also because of this, uh, this conference, that's now my first ever tagline on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm sure that will do all sorts of social networking for me. Um, but, you know, after working in comedy, I, I was offered a gig in advertising. I was due to move out to the West Coast. Uh, and as I said, my old man just tricked me, hooked me into a historic adaptive reuse and, and learn how to apply this thinking to tangible um, projects. Uh, and when Joe and I spoke last week, he said something to me that uh, really hit home, which is it's important to be yourself in your work. Um, and man, if anyone out there on this has a time machine, can you lend it to Joe so he can go back in time and just hit me upside the head with a two by four of that wisdom? Because I, I feel like I've spent a lot of time in my life trying to do the real estate world and the comedy world. And it wasn't really until trying to figure out how to mesh those that 
uh, I feel like I was able to do uh, my best work or impactful work. Um, I want to diffuse something here. You know, people sometimes get afraid of comedy that this feeling of like, oh, I'm not funny. I, I don't want to be, I, I can't do that. Comedy is just a word for honesty. Um, it, it's just an approach to get to the point and get to the truth. Um, you know, jesters wore those silly outfits to remind the nobleman that they were kidding. Um, and a little known fact I just made up this morning, um, the bells on the hat, they were to make it too loud uh, for them to take them out back behind the castle wall and kick their ass for offending them. So uh, you know, keep that in mind going forward. So always wear bells. Um, I have actually, yeah, I have actually tried to uh, make comedy solve city problems. We, we actually pitched, wrote and produced a pilot called Eugene Meets the Mayor for True TV. The premise was that stand-up comedian Eugene Merman, who's my wife's business partner, uh, when he was in a city doing a show, he would call up the mayor and offer to help solve the city's problems. Um, so this was Kansas City. I don't think he actually solved the combined sewer overflow problem there. Um, and the show didn't get picked up. Uh, but um, I do think that uh, humor is more than just fun. It, it is a tool for connecting with an audience, pointing out the wrongs and ills in society, and communicating a new way uh, to look at something. So can't tell you what's going to work everywhere. Hopefully, I can give you a framework of, of, that can be helpful and give some examples of, of what made me laugh. Um, but, you know, I hate to use this next slide because in all my years of experience and education, it's infuriating how simple and impactful this is. Um, this was in Manchester, England back in 2015 where they couldn't get their potholes fixed until some guy went around and started spray painting pictures of penises around them. And then the city would react quickly and pave them over and, and fix it. So whenever I get to that point where I just feel like I'm banging my head against the wall of municipal indifference, uh, I always like to go back and read this article and, and try to think about how to uh, approach things differently and get some attention on it. So comedy is, is uh, rule of threes. It is a common thing where it's, you know, set up, set up, delivery. Think volleyball, bump, set, spike. Um, and there's three things that whether you're given a, a comedic presentation or you're talking to an audience, um, three important rules. Know your audience, establish mutual understanding, and only then, and on, then and only then deliver that message. On a rare occasion, I've watched really talented, really funny comedians pop in front of a tough crowd. But I have watched a lot of real estate professionals bomb in front of an audience. We tend to walk in and want to start by talking about what's important to us without stopping to ask what's important to our audience. And if you don't spend that time trying to establish that, you're going to have a higher failure rate of connecting with them. And once you lose them, good luck getting them back. Laughter and yawning are involuntary and contagious. You know, I think it's important to realize that when you get up on a stage, when you get up there and do that, people subconscious are making decisions about you before you even say anything. Um, not saying every presentation has to be funny, uh, but you are responsible for making it not suck. Um, and you have to be sure you're addressing people's emotions just as much as you're communicating information to them. And understanding where we start from is super important in all of this. And that is the default position in most of our conversations about real estate development is objection. Negativity is the default and it's a really powerful emotion. But if you can figure out how to translate that cynicism into action, it becomes a force to be reckoned with. Change doesn't have to be scary if you can figure out a way to take the fear out of it. Now, that's a challenge because real estate developers give real estate developers a bad name. We start from a point of, oh, these people are here to screw us. And we all know the type that make it harder uh, on those of us who are trying to do the thoughtful, impactful, and more, um, more meaningful stuff for downtowns. And it's harder to overcome that because there is that perspective that we're just in this for the month. 
And, you know, I hung this sign up in, in my office as a reminder uh, to myself to not make the same mistakes I made previously. Obviously, no one on the, the unconference here uh, it falls under this. Although for those sole proprietors out there, this poster tends to trigger some either important self-reflection or an existential crisis. Um, and the other side of, the, of it, it is also true. Uh, I hope that everyone ha has read this uh, classic McSweeney's article. Um, you know, it really would be the top of the syllabus if I had one for this presentation. It's just a great satirical essay about the, the righteous grandstanding that you see in, in some of these planning processes. Um, and it really hit home to me, uh, this quote in particular, because I last year moved back to where I grew up and, and where I had spent 20 years uh, staying away from. Um, and as I'll talk about, I mean, it, it's amazing to see what has changed and really what hasn't. Um, and I think while good comedy makes you laugh, great comedy makes you think. And the hope here is that um, we find a way to move past that starting point where every developer is an asshole and every neighbor is a NIMBY and you're destined for battle. The other player here is the, the authorities, right? Um, talk about rules of threes again. This sign here reminds me of that old, that old kid's classic. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things does not belong. Uh, often economic development, community development, runs face first into our planning processes. Um, you gotta remember that your audience is not just the planning board or the conservation commission or any other group that's elected or appointed to represent citizens. I'm, I'm not saying these groups are not well-intentioned and it's a thankless job, but having a free evening on the second and, and fourth Tuesday of every month is not a representative sample of your community made. Those who want to regulate and those who want to participate are two very different stakeholder groups. And your audience, if you wanna do impactful projects, is anyone who gives a damn about your downtown. I wanna give a little bit of an example and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more about the project in a minute, but we spent two years conceptualizing a, a project with input from our neighbors and our real input, not check the box, BS engagement, real, what do you wanna see here? Come to the table, participate. You know, we, we bothered asking them what they wanted. Weird approach, right? Like I, I it always baffles me uh, when real estate developers come in and are, are prescriptive off the bat. So our abutters supported us. Um, City Council, Conservation Commission, ZBA, all issued decisions or opinions in opposition. The citizens put it on the ballot in a petition not only did we get 74% support in our ward and 68% support citywide, we got more votes in favor than any ballot issue or elected official since. So don't believe that your process reflects the reality of your town. It often doesn't. And if you wanna shift the conversation, you have to get the interest of the unspoken majority who don't attend planning board meetings. All right. I have tried to be funny in these meetings before. That is a real quote that I got in trying to do that. All right. It's a tough crowd. Like I said, I mean, these people are getting referred to as frequent flyers, and I, I'm by no means saying their opinions are not valid. But the folks who come to these meetings are either your opposition or they're your choir. You get people who hate development or you get people who are involved in development. That's again, not a representative cross-section of the community. So I love this story where, where I was working for a developer. We threw a food truck festival. We got a bunch of emails, put them on our list, you know, just trying to, to build some stuff in the community down in, in Massachusetts. And, you know, about six months later, I was presenting a concept for an outdoor venue that I knew was going to be contentious in the neighborhood. Um, I got slammed with the, the frequent flyers of the comments of noise and traffic and all the standard, not, not real concerns, but not the only ones. And after that, a guy in the back in his twenties uh, raised his hand and I'm not being ageist. I'm, I'm just literally saying like, people were surprised to see him because he was just not who you see in these meetings. And he said something to the effect of, I don't know what a planning board is 
But this venue these guys are talking about is exactly what me and my friends would come to. And right now that building sucks. And I, I mean, this was a city that had bet like $200 million in infrastructure on the hypothesis of being able to attract young professionals. So afterwards, the city councilor came up to me and he half jokingly asked me if, if the kid was an audience plant um, because he'd never seen um, that happen before. But we changed his mind and he actually uh, elected to support the project and, and we got it passed. I wanna talk about the setup. Um, it's just sort of a comedic trope. You're aware of these comedic tricks, even if you don't realize it. Um, you know, it's Seinfeld's, what's the deal with, or it's Jeff Foxworthy's, you might be a redneck if. It's sort of a subtle way to, you know, to basically say, there's a joke coming, get ready. Um, you have to figure out how to do that when you're presenting an idea to an audience. Because if you surprise them or you catch them off guard, you're not going to get the reaction that you want. And way too often, presentations start out with, here's the thing we're doing. And then you spend the rest of the time explaining why. And people are confused. Um, and it's literally like saying, hey, here's how this movie ends. Now sit down and watch for an hour and a half. That's not how you want to take in information at all. The entire guise of The Onion, The Daily Show, Colbert Report, maintaining that facade of real news is to set up a known comfortable mechanism through which to deliver and receive information. It unlocks the ability to tell things through a different lens because you've made people comfortable with the format. It doesn't always work um, and you've got to find other ways to, to get there. And when we're talking about downtowns, that generally means giving people a true sense of their place. And when you look at the statistics of usage of towns as punchlines, this is the funniest location in America. And I say that with a sincere apology to the entire state of Iowa. It is likely very undeserved. I don't know why I don't make the rules, but it has become the shorthand for anywhere or nowhere USA. Another funny satirical site out there, booked into the history of it. Now, I also wanna pause and say, the existence of an East bumfuck suggests there's also a West bumfuck, or at the very least, a downtown bumfuck, which I trust is very walkable. Um, we all have a mental understanding of that fictional town, but if you're working anywhere else in America or the world, you have to do a better job of explaining the history and context of where you are before you can impart a meaningful message. So I always start with why are we here? And this is my community of West Lebanon, New Hampshire. And like many places in the US, our origin story goes back to rivers and railroads. We are at the confluence of the Connecticut and the White Rivers. And I know what you're thinking. Aren't Connecticut and White redundant? But no, a different story here. This exists right below a waterfall. And back from the original people in this area, you can't get a canoe above these rapids. Guess we'll set up camp here for the night. Then we'll wake up tomorrow morning and we'll get to start building a 13,000 person city over the next 200 years. You guys wanna use a grid system? No? Cool, cool. Uh, this is a slide from another presentation of mine called Profane Wayfinding 101. Um, having lived in both of these cities, I gotta say it's extraordinarily true. Um, so while West Lebanon is um, unique as every town is, there's similarities that I'm sure folks on here will recognize. And I wanna give you a little context about where I work. We're a 13,000 person city, three rivers, two rail lines. Uh, when the railroad left in the 1970s, the city looked around at its options for facilitating new commercial development and said, no thanks. Uh, we have grown fundamentally, functionally anti-growth mentality for decades. And now we wonder why our property taxes are out of control and our, our downtown is a drive-through for somewhere else. Weird, right? Unique to our town. Across the river, I can see this downtown from my office. Tale of two cities, downtown White River Junction, downtown West Lebanon. One chose the arts, one chose the automobile. I know my audience here, so you know where this story goes. The age-old marketing adage is lead with the positive but I'm actually gonna tell you something different. Start with what pisses you off. 
if necessity is the mother of invention, frustration is the father of comedy. You owe it to your community to address their rightful anger. This is the Westboro Rail Yard, defunct railroad roundhouse that was abandoned by the railroad. It's owned by the state. It cuts off my downtown from its river. It is 40% of the land area in our CBD. It pays no taxes. It's contaminated. You can't redevelop it. And efforts to turn it into a riverfront park have been stymied for 20 years and 12, 12 relevant planning studies. We could pave our waterfront trail with PDFs at this point. You can't have a planning conversation in my town without people screaming about this because they are so frustrated. So I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Under the belief that humor is a pretty good tool to identify, call out and diffuse frustration, I started a fake local newspaper. Relatively qualified for it, given my background. At first, it was honestly just a way to keep myself from going absolutely insane with frustration. Uh, but also it became a, a way of truth telling and calling bullshit. Um, you know, this little downtown used to be called Westboro. It's the name of our rail yard. Uh, and while we're proudly not home to the Westboro Baptist Church, we are home to people who love a protest. Um, there is no more effective tool than humor when it comes to pointing out the problems. And now that hopefully you're out there in the digital void laughing along, we're, we're in this together, right? We've established a rapport around this people want to feel like they are part of a solution to something that sucks. Give them a way to get involved that meets them where they are. This is a dumb secret Instagram account that I run when I get frustrated. I, I don't even know how many followers, it's not many, but it keeps me from going insane. But I should warn you, I'm about to say something super, super offensive to everyone on this call. If you do not address the process, you will continue to get the same outcome you hate. So I've been saying this a lot lately. The definition of blank is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, if you know the quote, you know, it generally says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. Well, it's also our planning process. This was the 2008 Economic Development Report. It literally says, please do something. 13 years and four significant planning efforts ago, nothing's happened. So before we do another one, and I'm on the committee that's just about to do another one, we have to start pointing out what isn't working. So this is where I get to have a little fun and poke some some jokes and, and try not to offend anybody, but point out what isn't working. Because if you don't own the suck, you're gonna repeat it over and over and over again. And when planning doesn't work, you have to point out why it isn't working. And there's humor hiding in plain sight. This is a real excerpt from our master plan and a real situation down the street. We talk about the coffee shops, we talk about all the stuff that we want, but we, we are a drive through town and we are where uses get stuck in our broader region. So we're a community conscious green development group. I need to give you a little bit of context about our background and what we do so you can understand my, my approach here and, and where I'm coming from. Um, like I said, we back in 07, 08, peak recession, uh, we bought a 38 acre formal auto body shop and junkyard. Um, and we went to our neighbors and said, what do you want to see here? We could have done 134 of these, you know, cookie cutter houses across the street. We didn't want it. They didn't want it. Um, we actually bothered to ask them what they did want. We took the time to understand their concerns. We took the time to give them a primer on zoning. We all, because we're in this world, forget what the common knowledge is. Forget that people don't understand what an R2 and an R3 is, what a setback is, all that. If you can't get people up to speed, you cannot educate them and convince them to do something different. We try to build places that people give a damn about, all right? Because our downtown is blocked and unbuildable, because the state of New Hampshire will not get out of the way, 
we sought to build the next generation of Riverside commerce. Used to be a paper mill, then it used to be the railroad. Now it's a hydroelectric dam. We need a tax base. We sought to accomplish that by doing what we do, which is mixed use development that maintains 50% publicly accessible open space. We gifted the six acre park to the community because I'm, like I, I love saying, like we're real estate developers by trade, but we're environmentalists, urban planners, sociologists, designers, comedians by training and passion. Quoting Jimmy Buffett feels extraordinarily on brand for a three-day bender conference. Um, but like I said, humor comes from frustration. We got slammed by our approval processes. We wanted to vote. The council tried to stop us. We've had 57 public meetings. We've had falsified reports, rejected building permits. 74% of our community said they wanted this. Chet, it's Chet, hard to get three. Yeah. Did you say 57 public meetings on your project? 57. From the day we bought the property and convened a two-year proactive planning process, postcards, you know, out there knocking on doors, getting to know people, literally doing the developer version of, hey, we're new to the neighborhood, can I borrow a cup of brown sugar? Introducing ourselves all the way through our approval processes, all the way through amendments. You know, they come to us and ask us to move up our multifamily. It takes us 11 months and four planning board sessions to get through it. Oh my God. Right? 74% of the ward that we are in supported this. It's hard to get three out of four dentists to agree on the toothpaste. But I got three out of my four neighbors to say, you know what? I do actually want density in my neighborhood. I do want a tax base. I would love to not get priced out of the home that I paid the mortgage off on in the 80s because our taxes are out of control here. No good deed goes unpunished. All right, we've tried to start this project three times. Twice we got blocked by our municipality. Third time by the COVID pandemic. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I, I think that means that our city is about as supportive of economic growth as an international health care. So again, you can go insane, and we have come close to, but you have to find a way to point this stuff out. And I love this quote from, from Mary Hirsch. I, I, someone told me this in high school, and it's just it's been implanted in my brain. Humor is a rubber sword. It allows you to make a point without drawing blood. There are moments where I want to scream at our planning board. There are moments where I have screamed at our planning department. Um, the average person does not want to talk about planning process. But a lot of people love a good you know, half-assed joke. They love to point out the frustration. They love that that mentality of this is just ridiculous. People understand, although they may not participate, part of the reason they don't is because they understand our systems are broken. People are sick of no action. So if you're unsatisfied with the outcome, you have to figure out how to change the approach. So I talked about knowing your audience. I talked about trying to set up the delivery and that gets us to this idea of delivering the punchline. Now, once you have your audience's attention, you have them warmed up, start delivering your message. This isn't just comedy. Um, there is an unbelievable tool. Uh, this is from an ad agency. I think they're actually, they were closed and now trying to restart. Chris and Porter Boguski, um, they used to have a rule in their brainstorm meetings where you can't pitch ideas. You have to pitch what you want the headline to be in the newspaper. And that is such a powerful framework to think about how you're communicating. Not only because earned media is a lot more powerful and a lot more affordable than paid marketing, but it makes you pay attention how this is going to be perceived by the community, how it's going to be reported in the community, and how it's going to spread by word of mouth. So whether it's making up satirical news stories or spray painting dicks on potholes, boil down your message to the simplest, gettable form. And if you do it right, you don't just get understanding, you elicit an emotional response. If you can get someone to laugh, you've made a personal connection with them. You have awoken them from the drudge of their day, made them think, put a smile on their face. They may disagree with you. And I start almost every meeting by saying, 
you may not like what I am going to tell you. We may fundamentally at the end of this disagree, but I hope you will respect that I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm gonna be candid and I'm not gonna play the bullshit game of saber rattling. This is what um, you know. we want you to be afraid of. So when we propose the next thing, it feels like a compromise, all right? This is one of the all-time great onion headlines uh, in response to the, the sort of 90s baseball teams threatening to leave unless uh, the community underwrote all their infrastructure development for it. This actually got picked up in a Chinese newspaper and printed verbatim as real news. Um, creating a satirical lens through which to view the situation at hand is a helpful way to change your audience's perspective. I talked about our frustration um, with our city. We actually had the anti-growth cabal in our town falsify and conflate sewer calculations in an attempt to block our project. We caught it in peer review uh, and the city council had to overturn it. Now, if I try to start a conversation with the average citizen in my town about sewer capacity, they rightfully do not engage. But if they had come at it from some cheeky wordplay, I've got their attention. I can bring light to the hypocrisy and I don't have to try to fight uphill as much anymore. That's the other thing that, that I feel like I make the mistake on all the time is we try as creatives to come in and redefine these things and, and turn stuff and, and get good hooks, right? Sometimes the answer is just stop fighting it. This is the, the building that got me suckered and sucked into real estate. Old dead church about to fall down. We turned it into a community center. Uh, it's been closed because of COVID. I'm, I'm literally hiring a new head honcho right now to, to get this thing back up and running. We have tried so many ways to explain what this building is. And every time it seems to be met with, oh, do you mean that old yellow church at the uh, Route 5 turn in Wilder? Yeah. So that's our motto now. I stopped fighting it. I just leaned into the humor of it. And now people get it. They know what I'm talking about. There's a great quote from one of our economic development guys here in New Hampshire. Attitude and energy matter more than water and sewer. There's a rightful conversation about why we don't pay more attention to our existing community and our existing businesses instead of always trying to recruit. Uh, one thing that always drives me crazy is this, this constant attempt to measure projects against something else or compare. You know, we always get the thing, if anyone on the East Coast knows Kendall Square is the, the sort of center of biotechnology and life science, our project is, is seven minutes from Dartmouth College. So we're trying to tap into that market. So instead of playing this game that everyone else is doing of saying, you know, we're the Kendall Square of West Lebanon, New Hampshire, we're the, you know, the Uber for why, um, trying to turn it back in their face a little bit. I don't mind punching up at the place that's getting $135 a square foot. Um, I can't tell you how many more reactions I've gotten to this when we shifted our marketing to this angle from talking about how we were a community conscious real estate developer and we had this master plan and blah, 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 blah. Be a little bold. Try to get out there and do something different, do something weird. Get, be newsworthy. Um, Find an opportunity in everything you do to find opportunities for joy and laughter, even in the suck. We did a food truck uh, event and hiking trails last summer uh, because we couldn't do anything. Um, and I can't tell you how many more reactions we got to goofy signs than any other effort um, to get people to show up and understand what we were trying to do. If you want people to pay attention, don't yell at them make them smile. You just have to get people's attention by doing something dumb, all right? Make it hard to ignore you. This is the sweatshirt that I wear on every one of my committee meetings in the city of Lebanon. Um, it's dangerously close to prop comedy. It actually happens to be the slogan of my grandfather who ran Parks and Rec in Tyler, Texas back in the day. Damn it, do it. He knew how to get shit done. He hated planning processes. He hated naysayers. He always wanted to figure out a way to make things better. Um, I gotta tell you, it's pretty fun to wear in these committee meetings. 
All right. I just sit here and kind of point to it. And then I get to say, gentlemen, eyes up here. Our committee is getting nowhere again. We're at risk of repeating the same mistakes. That's a pretty important realization for everyone in every part of our industry right now. Coming out of COVID, we have to be asking, do we really need to put all of the bureaucratic bullshit back? First off, alphabet signs with fun messages ought to be an economic indicator tracked by HUD. They take time and creativity from someone who gives enough of a damn to write them. I don't think I've ever been to a place with a funny sign that I haven't enjoyed. Food might be okay, but there's something about it that tells me this is gonna be a fun place. These people give a damn. So this is a moment to change our approach and our regulations, our processes. Every step we took in the last year in response to COVID, outdoor seating, street closures, liquor license adaptations, if they're helping our restaurants and our downtowns, why aren't we doing it all the time? Hell yeah. We, ex we exist in a unique moment to call out bullshit. We all have to be approaching our cities right now and, and demanding that we do not go back to the way things were, especially if the way things were sucked. As much as I'd love to say that this is an audience at one of my community development threats, it, it's a, a comedy festival uh, of my wife that she ran in Brooklyn for decades. Uh, but, but I wanna end on this. Um, good comedy and good places have one, one thing in common. Uh, we know we enjoy them even if we can't explain why. In the pilot episode of Shit's Creek, there's a throwaway line that has made me laugh harder than any TV joke in years. And I don't remember how to say it. I've mistold that joke so many times over the years, and it's never as funny as I remember. I'm going to get it wrong right now. Eugene Levy goes in and says, uh, do you have a continental breakfast? And Stevie responds, no, due to a lack of everything. That is a dumb joke that makes me laugh and is stuck with me forever. You don't have to remember the joke. You often don't remember the joke, but you remember it was funny. The emotional connection imprints upon you long after you've forgotten the words of it. I feel the same way when I try to explain my favorite parts of my favorite cities. I always feel like I'm doing them an injustice. It's not about the cobblestone streets or the specific retail mix or you know, the, the store types or the science. It's about how they make you feel. It's about the emotional response they elicit. And everyone on this call and on this conference is doing God's work trying to achieve that. And that's what I always try to instill in our projects. Instill that similar emotional response. You may not remember exactly why you loved it, but there's that magic you feel. You remember the gist, not the specifics. You don't appreciate all the work that's gone up to it, you don't appreciate all the work by planners and consultants and developers and everyone that, that gets to that. Same way you don't appreciate all the times that a comedian's bombed on stage or wordsmith that joke to get it right. But you remember the gist of it. It imprints upon you. And that's what we have to do in all of our communications. Otherwise, we're just going to keep repeating the same mistakes over and over. So I'm going to stop here. Um, if you'd like me to make fun of something, First joke's free, as they say. Um, shoot me an email. I, I love hearing about this stuff. I, I learned so much yesterday. I'm so excited um, to blow off work for the rest of the day uh, and, and stick on this. Um, uh, looking at the time here, Joe, do you want me to do two more slides or do you want me to, to shut up and do q and if, if you get two more slides, go ahead and do two more slides, folks. If you've got questions, I, and I, you know, I know presenting into the void, and especially somebody with a with a uh, with a background in comedy, you're used to having a little bit more of that immediate gratification, and it probably felt like you were presenting to a, a you know a whole stadium full of mimes, but you were absolutely freaking killing this. Uh, this is honestly one of the best presentations I've ever seen. The the comments have been phenomenal. I've been getting texts and messages on the side like who the hell is this guy? He is awesome. So just know that, you know, while you were talking into the abyss, that the abyss was freaking cheering back. 
Um, so that was awesome. Oh, I, I, I appreciate that. I mean, finding this group and finding people like y'all out there doing this stuff, it, it's made me feel like I found my, my tribe, right? Found my people. Uh, who understand that, that yeah you got to make the math work but but you can be a little fun and, and funky with it so two little things that I actually cut because I didn't know that I was going to have time but but in terms of sort of applicable ways that anyone can do out there right this is a tool that I've actually borrowed and adapted from a, a professor of mine um, and it's called you're not allowed to say anything nice um, this is supposed to animate I don't know if it is, it is. Um, so what I do when I go into tough conversations is I say, before you tell me how much you like what I'm saying, how much you like the downtown, how much you like this proposal, I want you to hate on it. Let's get it out. Just shit on it. Tell me everything you hate. If you can't say anything negative, don't say anything at all. All right, the purpose of that is, is legit and it's twofold. You save a whole lot of time and energy if you stop dancing around the issues and give people permission to be direct, blunt, and honest. The amount of time saving that goes through of just get to the point is extraordinary. The second is, and this came exactly from conversations yesterday, let people get it out of their system and get over it. Don't let that negativity drag through your entire presentation, your entire engagement. We use a tool, a digital voting tool in our, all of our um, planning charrettes because we learned that the loudest voices in the room are not the representative voices in the room. So the ones that come in there and grandstand and they're the ones that want to say everything sucks and everything's bad, democratize it. Let everybody vote. Nothing shuts someone up faster than putting something up on the screen that 84% of people disagree with you pretty polite way to tell people to step back a little bit. The other just quick tool, this is out there a lot. This is really powerful for uh, all sorts of business applications, but it's the sort of basic cardinal rule of improvisational comedy. And it basically suggests that a participant should accept what another participant has stated, the yes, and then expand on that line of thinking with the and. Often we, even unintentionally, create unnecessary conflict between ideas and lose creative momentum. When we would get stuck at the onion, we couldn't find a solution to the topic at hand to hit something in the zeitgeist. We used to play a game called take the fucking filter off. And the idea was put the most offensive thing out there that you know we can't print, break out of this jam and let people play with it a little bit. And often out of the extreme and out of the crazy comes the applicable and usable idea. And this next one I'm just going to show because it's hilarious. Our planning board just took 15 months to approve a Dunkin' Donuts drive-through kiosk in an existing parking lot, not like in a nature preserve or a national park, like in a sea of asphalt. And then you can't make this shit up, local planning news. They honestly proposed speed tables in the exit lane as traffic comment. Like that was a real suggestion that a appointed person made in public in front of a crowd of people and professional traffic engineers. So that's who I am. That's what we do. Uh, thank you for the chance to, to be a part of this vendor uh, and participate. If you'd be kind enough to, well, we're going to keep your, your email and cell phone up there. Um, and don't forget, text him, get a joke. That was the promise Chet, Chet made in the beginning. Yep. Chet, this was awesome. Um, you know, the, we're not getting a, a ton of questions. Actually, the biggest question that we're getting is, um, where all do you want to work? I mean, we're, because, you know, there, you have impressed so many communities. There's literally dozens and dozens of communities. I, I kind of jokingly said, all right, raise your hand if you want to work with, with somebody, with a developer like Chet and, you know, instantly, you know, dozen likes on it. People say me, me, me over here. So, you know, really appreciate the, the sense of humor, everything you've brought to this. I'm still waiting for folks to ask questions. Nobody's got questions. You're just killing it. That's it. No, I mean, like, I, I think we're, we're at a, another stumbling block on just beating our head against the wall in this project. And like, you know, 
we like to joke or I like to joke that like they were kind of waiting for my old man to, to get too old and go away. And then all of a sudden I showed up and, and realized they got another generation to fight with. But um, yeah, I mean, this stuff's applicable everywhere. I love this stuff. Like I have taught myself the pro forma work. I have learned the math. I'm trying to get coached up on construction, right? That's all, you know, like throwing a baseball left-handed for me, right? Non-dominant skill set. I love this stuff. Um, I, you know, I'll write the first joke for free, but tell me where, you know, if I can be helpful and I'm serious about that, if I can be helpful and breaking through on some of these important conversations, um, that's what I want our, the future of our company to be. Um, that's what we, you know, what my old man did in Kendall square back in the eighties when it was dead and empty and, and, uh, dilapidated and vacant is, you know, what could this look like? How do we change the perspective? Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm still looking for questions and man, there's everyone's just saying thank you. And, you know, everything that you shared with us, I think was fantastic. People were dying, laughing throughout the whole thing. But I think more importantly was the number of times people repeated key sentences and key phrases, as you, as you said, with throughout. And, you know, I, I've had the good, you know, the, the good fortune to be involved in a lot of great presentations, but this is single-handedly probably one of the best ones. I've, you know, I know you were nervous about it. When we talked last week, you were like, man, I, yeah. I don't know what to do, but, you know, I've got... Jeff and Ben have been texting me like, uh, hey, ask him if he wants to be the fourth guy in the downtown happy hour. Because, <laughs> you know, you're, that, that's a, you're a dude with facial hair. A, you, know, it, 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 you sit right there. <laughs> I'm halfway there. I'm halfway there. No, that's, that, that's so, an extraordinary compliment coming from y'all. I appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you being part of our tribe. Uh, we've got another session coming up here at one o'clock if nobody has any other questions. And I'm desperately scrambling now to figure out which session that is. I know it's not mine. Um, hold on one second. I don't know, Jeff, if you want to comment. Oh, it's Moving Pictures. This is going to be John Paget from uh, uh, First in Main Films. He's going to be awesome. Uh, really powerful stuff. If you get a chance, make sure you're at one o'clock. Two o'clock uh, today is uh, myself and Sean Turpak from uh, Arnett Muldrow talking about wayfinding signage. And then uh, we've got Never Say Never, which is the incredible Trip Muldrow, um, as people like to say, the uh, our, our favorite Muldrow brother, um, not named Ben. Um, and then we also finish up with, um, oh, how, how does your garden grow on economic gardening? So we've got a lot of great sessions this afternoon, but right now uh, everyone is flooding the comments with thank yous uh, to Chet. That was awesome. And uh, with that, I think we'll, we're going to sign off. So thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you, everybody.